Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We now return to Tampa Bay's number one morning show, The Mike Calter Show. It's the Mike Calter Show. It is 844-1025, The Bone. This weekend, rolling into town is 90s con, and we're con kind of people, but I, I don't know. I can't imagine... There's very few people, I think, that I would get up and go and want to stand in line to go meet and see on their own. But several of these shows have gathered the whole cast together. And I think that that is something that people will love. You have the um, uh, 90210, the Saved by the Bell people. And Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. And the Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And Nick Bakai is in the studio with us. And that is what you're here specifically for, for the Sabrina show? Yeah. You know, I uh, I was the voice of the talking cat, yeah. Salem. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <do laughs> I, uh, Sabrina boys are confusing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so far from what you are in real life, which is so funny <laughs> to me. Really, it's one of those things, you know, that, you know, your, your career throws you interesting bends in the river. Yeah. You know? And I remember when I took that gig, I started as a writer on it. And up until then, I'd written all this kind of late-night edgy, had done all this cool stuff, and my wife and I had one of those kitchen table talks, you know, where it's like, is it going to be this terrifying every year? Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, fine, I'll bite the bullet. And I threw my hat into, like, the half-hour ring, and that happened. I thought, well, I guess, okay, I'll take it. It's a gig, but it was TGI. Yeah, it's everything I wasn't. Sure. And you know what? It, it was a wonderful job. Yeah. Great people did good things for me. Were you surprised at the success of it? Yeah, yeah. well, you're always surprised, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because every time you think you've got a winner, you you just jinxed yourself. You True. know, but but you know it, it, that thing was fascinating. It owned a generation, particularly of girls, American girls, and and literally yep. worldwide of a certain age. Carmen is back at the studio. She's Hi. on the air with us, and she hey, said Carmen. the same thing. She would come home and watch it on TV all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, so it came out when I was five and ended when I was twelve. But like literally every day after school, yeah. come home and it would be there's a, there was like a three hour uh, structure. It'd be like. <laughs> Two episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, two episodes of Family Matters, and then wow. two episodes of this. And, like, literally every day you go home and you just – and I would watch it every I single day. Can, without being too invasive, can you sure. give me the idea of what kind of money that is for that? Like, you're able to survive and take care of a family and do you know all that what? stuff? I, you know, I was going to say something I'm not – You should – nobody's listening. Hey, you're fine. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to – you yeah. know what? I've come this far and haven't been canceled. I'm not going to say yeah. – but I, I, I'll tell you off the air. But, okay. Um, no, you know what? It was It was the first thing I did um, that had a lifespan. This is back – we used to get two-year pickups. Yeah. And the money was good because I was writing it for four years, and I voiced the cat for seven. All seven it ran. Right. And then I went off and I kept doing the voice after I went off and I was writing on King of Queens. The money was really good, Mike. It was better yeah. than anything I'd ever had. It, like hundreds you know, of thousands of dollars. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, honestly, and, and then the, and then it residuals and reruns. Right. I mean, no, I got you know, but but you know, on the other hand, you know, compared to like what that cat was to the show, right? It was not good. Man. No, <laughs> you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, that cat was franchise, and I worked for Viacom, and you know, I knew. These guys have replaced me with Billy West. <laughs> you know, they can't wait. They can't. So I knew every negotiation. I was like, I can bend them, but they're going to break me. Yeah. So but I got what I could, but it was good. It was good. That's so funny. Uh, Nick is here with us now. Let's. I'll start from the beginning with you. So when the late night changes were happening, I was a fan of Dennis Miller's from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I loved the news. I thought he did great. Didn't care about the politics at all. I just thought he was very funny. I loved the way he did it. When they announced he's going to get a late night talk show, I am super excited for this. I'm also a huge Letterman fan. I watched Johnny Carson. This that whole we were talking about this morning. I had I had uh, Conan. I had Chevy Chase. I had Pat Sajak. I had Joan Rivers. I had Arsenio Hall. I've been to a lot of these shows before. I've become friends with a lot of these people. So so I'm very much a late night guy. Yeah. This Dennis Miller show comes on, and I have never been more into a show. I would, wow. I have in that room next to us a tub full of Dennis Miller VHS tape shows. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, like, I was really into this. And, and the thing was is that you were the first sidekick on a show since Ed McMahon. They may have, I mean, Conan had, uh, but I think you guys were even before that. We were. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, they didn't have a sidekick uh, on the show or, or an announcer or whatever they officially were called. And Ed McMahon was really only an announcer. Mm-hmm. He did nothing more for The Tonight Show than to be the bumbling, stumbling guy if they needed one. You and Dennis Miller, Dennis kind of had a I don't know what I'm doing here attitude. And you, and then he had in the beginning, Andy Summers from the police was the mu- <laughs> yeah, was the yeah. musical. Band. I mean, this yeah. thing was great. Yeah. And then uh, I remember you, the, the brute gun was one of the funniest <laughs> things ever. <laughs> Dennis Miller hated the smell of brute cologne, and Nick had a water gun filled with brute. And when Dennis would curse, he yeah. would squirt him with the gun because Dennis couldn't stop cursing on the air. It, he kept saying Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, and, that what it was. And that was like, <laughs> the Tribune syndicated, and they're like, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then made a bit out of it. it the bit was great then uh the uh townsend on, was on they destroyed the desk and then yeah. they're destroy he's destroying the desk and what obviously was a planned bit but as he's destroying it miller's in the back doing windmills i'm like this is the greatest show ever <laughs> then there was some controversy with shannon doherty right he had said some oh, stuff about her. Yeah. You're going to see her this weekend. Oh, that's you right. be yeah. I wonder if she'll remember. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, Every time you think you're everything, I'm time I think I'm out, Mike. <laughs> they drag I, me back in. I, yeah, I, she was really. Um, she was she bitchy, was, wasn't she? she? Was, yeah, she was frosty and mm-hmm. weird to him as a guest. Yeah, and I and he was nervous, and I remember. He, one of his eyebrows was twitching because oh. it was in like maybe week one. Right, right. And right. she was really big on 90210. Yeah. And, uh, and she pointed out the eyebrow thing, and I think it was, you know, narcissist wound. Right. I don't know, but we, we ended up making a lot of fun with that. Oh, too. it was, that was we one We made thing. her a running joke. Yes. Yeah. And, and he comes on, he said, I use this line all the time to talk about people who don't deserve success. He said, we're talking about a kid who caught a cosmic break. He just happened to be in a, had no special talents into it. She caught a cosmic break, and and uh, it, how could you be bitchy when you've or when you've had that sort of life? Well, that's the beauty of fame, money, and youth. It's yeah. a great cocktail. Can you tell me how you got that? Like, what were they auditioning you know for? I, I know to writers. I was uh, back in New York. I did a show with 
Alan Havy, the wonderful Alan Havy. Love Alan Havy. Did that Comedy Central? Yeah, well, it wasn't it Comedy was, Central yet, it right? Was, yeah, it was the Comedy Channel yeah. and then Comedy Central. It's just like, it starts in like late 89. Okay. For like three years, four years, and it was called Night After Night with Alan yep. Havy. And I was Alan's writer and sidekick. Okay. And that was really off the hook. And those who know that show know that it was in a completely unique, bizarre, interesting show. And yet it was distributed very sporadically. But as it turns out, Miller got it. Okay. And as he was plotting his move out of SNL, he liked what I was doing. Give me that guy. Yeah, he did. Well, here's (laughs) the thing. It was HBO owned the Comedy Channel. They did this Paul Simon concert in Central Park. I got a little backstage. Me and my wife, Robin, got backstage as guests of theirs. And Dennis was doing little interstitials. During the concert, between, yeah. so I run into him there, and he goes, "Okay, Donny, I'm like me, me be my Ed M." Uh, and I was like, "Wow, maybe." And that is how I got to L.A. He had scouted me for three years. Oh no, kidding! And he and so we were off and running. The uh, Alan Havy show, I'll never forget. Did, when Johnny Carson retired. They were like, we're never going to compete with this. So they just went to a blank screen <laughs> that said, congratulations, Johnny. And, that, and that's all. You would t- I would tune back and forth just to see. It was that's nothing. So it was just a screen. Yeah. It was, it that's was, Alan. That stuff that's was so way, ahead, way ahead of its time. Yeah. So you do it, and uh, and you go out there, and they and now are you writing for this show, too? I was writing and, yeah. and also sidekicking. And, uh, were there other famous people who went on to be famous that, like, that were writing? Because a lot of times you hear these stories. Powerhouse writing staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them were comedians who this job got them in off the road. Okay. Uh, guys who caught Dennis's attention, uh, middling, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, that staff was, uh, of course, me. Mm-hmm. But then there's Mark Brazil who went on to create that 70s show. Oh, wow. You got... Max Muchnick and David Cohen, who were the baby writers, they did Will and Grace. You got Kevin Rooney, who's a legend as a stand-up and as a writer. Um, Stephen Leo, do you know Stephen Leo? They were stand-ups, but also they wrote the Santa Claus movies. Um, Drake Sather. Drake Sather, yeah. I love Drake Sather, Unbelievable. Yeah. And Norm MacDonald was on that. I've heard of him. Yeah, Yeah. really. And and, uh, and I, I hate to... Think I'm leaving people out, but this this was the writing staff. Did Jeff Cesario work on the show? Or were they just friends? They were just friends. Okay, but you know, th- I, I'm, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. No, no, but yeah. it was like a murderer's row. Yeah, and we all had to write um, 20 monologue jokes every morning. First thing, and then other things as well. And I'll tell you something: all of us would sit and read Norm McDonald and Drake say there's jokes, Joke. <laughs> because it was you know. It was mind-bending in that way of, like, you're at the Apollo watching The Temptations going, we got to work hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you, we do a bit on this show every once in a while called Six at Nine. On Wednesday, Galvin will give us uh, six headlines. And then we have from Wednesday to Friday morning to write Love a that. monologue <laughs> jog for it is the hardest goddamn thing to do. <laughs> we're, we're pretty witty at yeah. sometimes, but when you're under a deadline and yeah. to write six in two days... Yeah. And sometimes we think we've hit home runs, oh. and we put them out there, and it just dies in the room, and these assholes just let it die. They don't you even know, try to help you out. I'll tell you, and then try and do it next to Norm MacDonald. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had something on Putin. You know, <laughs> it's brutal. We used to do this, and then we also, Dennis would do his weekend update yeah. twice a week on the show, and we had to write those all the time. And then Dennis would run those jokes live during rehearsal, the picture would come up, he'd read your joke, and then he'd, it would live or die. Yeah. And we used to call 
call it on the schedule. We call it the map session. It was literally <laughs> written on the weekly schedule as map session. Because when Dennis would read your joke, and this is way back if in the you day, you'd like go it. like, ah, President Clinton today. <laughs> and then if he didn't like it, he would just trail off and then go, <laughs> and that's when you knew you're joking eating it hard yeah like most of our jokes do, we just die here uh this is nick bakai who is here with us nick has done I, I mean to be in hollywood as long as you have successfully and just constant working alone has been great so that show as much as i loved it uh did not end up making it short-lived short-lived ridiculous because sometimes you need to let stuff grow man well you know the worst but it was concurrent with johnny's retirement and then leno and kushnick his manager forbidding anyone to go on you know there were a lot of things conspiring um internal and external and that the stars were not aligned and it, it sucked it sucked for a fan of the show so you guys get word that the show has been canceled, but they don't just stop. You have like another couple of weeks that you have to keep doing it. Lame duck weeks. And it was the best ever Amazing. because he didn't care about anything. That's when the show found itself naturally. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was like, damn it, screw it. I, this is the embarrassing part that I have no problem talking about. Mm-hmm. I start writing letters to advertisers and to the, the do you remember that. he brought on his assistant and he said, this is my assistant. She needs a job. If you want to hire him, puts yeah. out her phone number. Yeah. I'm taping it. So I hit pause and I call her the next day. And I go, what can we do as fans to keep this show on the air? I'm 20. At the time, 20, probably 1920. And she's like, I know. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. So I write a letter to the network. I write a letter to all these people. And uh, I, I don't know how, but I, I get a picture, an autographed picture from Dennis Miller. It says... Uh, Mike, I'm out of here. Dennis Miller. <laughs> it's one of the greatest things that I own. And uh, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And I felt I felt sad that it, the show had gone off the air. But, um, you know, then he popped back on to do his show, which was on HBO, which was great, but not nearly what it was before very, with you. Very, very different. Very highbrow. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, great for him. I'm glad he resurrected. It seemed like you guys had a good relationship were you we, friends? Like, did you hang out off the air? Did we, you talk? We, you know, I did not know him at all before that. Right. And, but we, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, a bunker bonding. You yeah. Know, because there was You're high pressure, five shows a week, and it was his first thing out of SNL, so he was feeling tremendous pressure. Yeah. And I will say that um, we were never like buds. Right. But everything he did after that. He reached out and evolved me with, and Dennis is a guy that if you have his back, he's loyal. Yeah, and I always appreciated that, and I I think he's a genius. He he is really great. His uh, Off White album, yeah, was a stand up comedy album when they used to do albums all the time, and I would listen to it in the car. A cassette would just flip and play again, and I would just let it flip over. He his so many of his jokes you can't make funny without cursing, but he <laughs> he said this thing. He goes. Uh, you know what I hate? People who act out the dancing when they're dancing. He goes, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. He goes, hey, pal, ain't no effing dance floor wide enough. <laughs> just just his, cadence, his cadence and his attitude it yeah. just made me, well, he just th- made me laugh. And that's what made him a joy to write for. Yeah. You know, look, it's like writing for Al Green. You know, it's it, like it, when you have a stylist, yeah, you, get, you hear the voice in your head, you're halfway there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, that show ends, 
and then what is the next thing on the next burner? Thing I are did, you panicking at this point? When aren't I? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's the nature of the beast. Um, I went. And I, the next thing I did was in Living Color. Okay. I spent oh, wow. a year there. I wrote there, and I also was. Did in Living Color shake? Find us the whitest guy, <laughs> the whitest guy in Hollywood. Guy, they said we we want we want beyond white. We want pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they, and they got him. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was it was. Uh, and I, and I ended up doing a lot of on camera. I was the ultra white host of the Dirty Dozen sketches, uh-huh. the Yamama sketches. And I did a ton of sketches. I was on camera, off camera. I wrote I was there for the last year. Right. Okay. But I had, it was a good gig and a good landing spot. Um, and from there, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so, so, but, um, the, the, you know, obviously the Sabrina thing, it's what you're in town for this weekend, but the yeah. King of Queens, yeah. that, where do you get, do you have a relationship with Kevin James before King of Queens? No, no. I, I, um, I, I literally got hired there to write on the show by the Mike Whitehorn who created it. I didn't know Mike. I didn't know anybody. Right. Were you there at the beginning? No. I was brought in year three. Okay. And it was a good move. It was time for me to move on from writing Sabrina, which was a place where I actually learned more than I ever thought I would. It was great. Um, And then I was there for the run. And during that time, created a really great relationship with Kevin James. Uh And we worked really closely together. And then he and I ended up, you know, we wrote the Mall Cop movies together. We, We were talking about that this morning. Yeah. You... You tell me Paul Blart Mall Cop is a good movie, and I'm going to tell you no. And then you watch that movie, and you're like, I can't believe how funny this stupid movie is. <laughs> and Galvin said, could tell him what the key is. Oh, I said that you pitch that. You say we're going to have Kevin James in a Mall Cop uniform with a mustache, and then we're going to put him on a Segway. It's a home run. It's a home run. Yeah. His he, uh, King and Queens is one of the funniest shows ever made. It's to very, this day, I felt very. It was very much like my life. My wife, a, a fat guy married to a hot chick I from New York, relate. right? Yeah. So uh, I got a hot Long Island girl. Yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. I got a hot Jersey Jew. So it all works out. And uh, and you know, I watch him trying to deal with her and the father, and I love that show. But he is the best physical actor, Unreal. best physical comical actor that I in my time. He, he had the episode with the stripper pole where she's trying to oh. get sexy with it. And when he gets on I know. The next day we talked about that at the water cooler, literally, in the <laughs> break room. Like like you assume everybody is. We were like, the way he hugged the pole and the faces he made, he is just brilliant. No, you know, he is. He, he And there are times where I've watched him muscle yeah. a laugh out of something that we didn't have on the page. Uh, I've seen it happen a lot. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. You know, it's like I remember we did an episode where he... We had like an overhead shot of him being terrible driving a forklift. Right. And I went, and that's when I realized this guy's funny on vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and the, the segue thing. But you know, that's how we pitched the movie. It's like we got fat diehard in a mall. You know. <laughs> but another way, like you said, when you, once you know, once you have a voice that you're writing for, oh, it, yeah. it makes it. And I really think the thing that got that movie sold was the trailer moment, speaking of his physical comedy, where he did the slide, the slide and came yeah. up short. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that was like, I think this is going to work, but that no one saw that one. Oh, it, it, it was good. I'll tell you, I never in a million years I thought, well, this is sad for him to do this. And then I watched <laughs> it and I went, oh, I get it now. I get it. Okay, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, you never know. The, you try and handicap the moves in your career and yeah. you get them wrong every time. He's yeah. funny. He was on the show one time to promote the uh, 
What was the movie? Grown Ups. No, it was like on a zoo or something. Oh, Zookeeper. Yeah. Zookeeper. I wrote that one Did with you too. Yeah. <laughs> so watch yourself. You know, he called up and I go, uh, it was at the same time that Jim Carrey had the movie. And I go, so we're talking to you about uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins today? And he goes, yep, exactly. Like he, was, <laughs> he rolled with it. But he, yeah, even him even him interacting with animals is funny. Yeah, he was yeah, great. He was great. Yeah. So so uh, you do that for the for the length till the end of the show? Yeah. Oh, good for you, man. That yeah, is no, great. It was wonderful. And I had so much fun. And you you know, honestly, uh, working with Kevin was really, um, we connected in a way that it never felt like work. Yeah. Um, and I love him and I love working with him. And uh, it was a joy, you know. But I will tell you that the movie thing, I didn't like the business of it as a writer. Mm -hmm. So I came running back to TV as soon as they would What'd laugh. you do next? Then I, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in there. But I went, the next thing I did was I, I worked on. Two and a half men. Okay. For about three quarters of a year. Was that your first Chuck Lorre thing? It was. Okay. But that worked out, and I really connected with Chuck. And so, at the end of that year, he had me go over, and I was the one of the showrunners on the show Mom. Okay. And Mom is very funny. Wonderful. Did show. not get the probably the. It, success you know, that it deserved, but it's funny. It went eight years. And oh, we, did it really? Oh, yeah, it was great. I mostly catch it. It's the syndication. only thing I've ever done that the critics liked. Oh, really? I mean, she's like, a great actor. They were both really good together. No, they were wonderful. With cast was a dream come true, and uh, I really had a wonderful time working on it. And during that, I deepened my relationship with Chuck, and the and and I'm currently we just did a show together that we wrote and created together. That is, I think, dropping. No one knows what's happening right. currently. But in theory, this fall should be on Max, HBO, Max, whatever they're calling it or will right, be calling right. it. Uh, but it's called Bookie, and it stars Sebastian Whoa. Maniscalco. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. And wow. And, it, and we just, it's eight. We shot him. We did him. We did it all pre-strike. And it is, it's just Awesome! I've but never better, had better. Fun. Better, it's on uh, Max. Than yeah, no, on it's single camera yeah. and it's edgy and it's funny. And Sebastian is a home run, and Omar Dorsey, and I could go on and on. Our cast is amazing, but boy, was this one fun! I can't wait to talk to Sebastian again. First of all, he used to come on the show all the time. Couldn't couldn't fill side splitters comedy. Couldn't put six hundred people in seats. Now is one of the biggest acts in the oh, history of oh, comedy. It's ridiculous! I can't wait to talk to him again because I found out something about him. That I'll tell it. I'll tell it here. I won't get back to him. <laughs> Sebastian can't swim. Did what? you know about this? No. And had to take swimming lessons. But that's not even the funny part. The funny part. Not that that's a big deal. But he, you grow up sometimes in a city. You're not swimming. Oh sure, a lot. But sure. Yeah. Sebastian was amazed that everybody else knew how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you go. Huh. You go up to people and go. Let me ask you, you know how to swim? And they're like, of course I know how to swim. Just, how does everybody know? That's so funny. <laughs> that should be in one of his, uh, it should be in the show or somewhere. Uh, oh, that's great. I hope that that happens. Now, is that's all shot and all done, just all waiting done. on the strike? It's, uh, you know, the cat's in the bag, the bag's in the river, and just waiting for this stuff to get sorted out. Good for you. But it turned out wonderful, Mike. I, I honestly, um, I never had more fun writing or shooting a show. Yeah. We're thrilled. So I have uh, come up with a bunch of ideas and things that I write out and I think would be good ideas. For the re reality of, of it, what is the best way to get a show in front of somebody that you think would be good? Like if somebody's listening out there and they're a writer and they're thinking, I would like to do this for really, what's the best route to go? Well, Like a realistic route. You can tell anybody yeah. go to college, make some friends, get some people, you know. Right. But, I mean, if you're a guy sitting at home and you know you have a little bit of talent, you know you have something here that could be good. 
what's the best way? Because you hear all these stories about these people getting scripts, never looking at them, never doing anything with them. You, uh, you know, I will say, I think that, first of all, you know, I came to writing as a necessity. Yeah. I was an actor. I did, I was a comedian. You know, I did, yeah. I, you know, but writing for me turned into like being a left-handed pitcher. It's like nobody needed another 24-year-old actor, but everybody needed somebody who could write something right. on it. So, but, you know, the market's changing right now. So my advice to writers is if you want to have a career, follow the money, as they say. Look where the work is. Yeah. Don't, you know, and Don't I, want you, your dream. I want you to be true to yourself. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, you know, look, if you, you want to write your novel and your, and your parents add it, great. Yeah. But if you want to work, look where the business is, look where the money is, and make yourself that. Learn yeah. how to do it. And, you know, it starts with working and repeating and getting better at it. I will say, don't, get, don't go down the wormhole of these classes and books. That like, waste mostly a waste of time? There, there are a lot of these things like this. With the Robert McKee book and Truby and all these guys. You're going to go on Amazon. You're going to, I need screenwriting. Or, uh, and they're... Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Got sorry. it. It's, uh, thank you. It's, it's just, it, they're, these guys are thriving on baffling you. Yeah. Not teaching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are two books I recommend. One is the one, I can't remember the name of it, but it's written by the guys who wrote... Um, um, Night at the Museum. Okay. Because it's great simple movie. and it's a great movie. Yeah. And it's the real business of how to write movies. Okay. It's, it, they actually tell you how to do it and it's not thick. It's real. Right. And there's some other books called Save the Cat that are real. Th those will give you brass tacks technique. And they won't make you, you won't leave the process going, well, I can't do that, you know? I, I think a lot of people, and I, you know, I have kids that are going, getting ready to go to college. And I think a lot of people feel like these dreams are so far beyond their reach. And Everybody you, starts there, Mike. Yeah, you know? but then uh, you get like... You, the one book is uh, writing movies for fun and profit. That's it. Yeah, okay. That's it. Right. And it's Thomas Lennon. Yes. And, and oh, really? Oh, yeah. those guys are great. Guys and from, they're uh, great. Reno 911. And, 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 yeah. I, and it's a fun, easy, it's an entertaining read, but it's really good advice because I've, I've, done, I've done it. And I read and I went, these guys are giving they know the real they're, deal. Yeah, they're yeah. telling you how to do it. And they're, they're demystifying it. Yeah. And that's the key. I always, I always, I'm doing my dream job. This is, I've had the best life and I have no preparation for this. I tell people all the time, these young kids in the building, like, can I pick your brain for a second? I go, you can pick all you want, but I don't know. There's nothing there. Right. I have no idea how this happened. It happened and I'm glad, but uh, I always wonder. And I, the, I, the, like, I think when I was younger, I probably wanted to do something more in the Hollywood realm of it, mm -hmm. but had no idea how to do it and where to go and who to talk to and all that. I think that, you know, I always say, you know, because when I was working for ESPN a lot yeah. and I would like go back home to Buffalo, I, I, I got to know a lot of the local media guys and they always seemed to want to like, what would I have to do to get to Bristol and all that? And I, and if they had a good deal in Buffalo, I'd say, Stay. why yeah. would you want to go to, you know, yeah. they're going to treat you terribly. You will have no control. You know, you have a beautiful deal. Yep. And I'm not saying that to be mean. But they I'm, hear I'm, that in their head. They, and think, they think that that's, And they yeah. think you're holding them down. And I'm like, no. You know, and, and it's like anywhere where you have a little control over your life, that's the beauty when, of it. When Howard went to Satellite, everybody was like, you think you're going to go to Satellite? I'm like, why would I ever go to Satellite? I go, I have everything that I need here in my garage. And uh, yeah. two million people are hearing it. And 
those power got all the money. Nobody else is making any money. Talk to those people over there and see if they're happy. I'm never believing this. Well, I, you know, I, I was in the van here. Yeah. And there was one period of time where I was going through some sort of national reserve, and I thought, this little date liney. <laughs> I'm in a. Where, where I don't know the this? guy who's driving me in this yeah, van yeah. through a forest. Can't see out the windows. In Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but I mean, then we pulled up to the Shea. Calta, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a good deal. I always wonder, I, so we, uh, brief history, we started during the pandemic. I was doing a podcast, and uh, I had a smaller studio, and then during the pandemic, I said, well, instead of being in five different places, we're all good. Everybody just come here, and we built this place out, and then all of a sudden, we were like, we're never leaving. This is the it, best thing it's ever. It's the weirdest thing. I did the same thing. I did two seasons of Mom running it during COVID, and I, I started out saying, like, if we simply get shows on TV, yeah. Job well done. They'll <laughs> suck, but job well done. They end up being really good. Fortunately, we were a show that had years under its belt and a rhythm. But I, I couldn't believe the things I was doing. I was doing writing room, Zoom from my home office. Right. We were doing... I was there for table reads, rehearsals, and shoots, but only two of us were there, masked and, you know, like the boy in the bottle. You, yeah. But, you know, the things I edited remotely with my editor from his garage, uh-huh. you know, and there were a lot of things that didn't go back. Yeah, no, there was a lot of things you realized you didn't have to, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is great. I'm I'm so glad. So I, I, I one time wrote a letter to... Richie Sambora, who plays guitar in Bogovi, sure. actually put it in his mailbox in New Jersey. I was such a fan when I was a kid. And then I said this, and I didn't tell anybody about it until we actually had Richie on the air some 30 years later. <laughs> and, and no problem embarrassing myself. I saw you on Facebook, and I'm like, I want to add this guy, but I don't know that he's going to, I don't want to buy, I don't want to. So I just clicked it, and I was like, I'm firing away. And then one day I sent you an email, and I said, hey. I just want to tell you how much I, I say I will never bother you again after this, but I wanted to tell you how much I loved the Dennis Miller show and what you guys did together. And uh, I had to get it. I had to just throw it out there and send a little fan letter over there. And then when I found out you were coming here, I said, man, I don't I would rather have you in here than Jason Priestley in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> First I'd time rather, those words have ever yeah, been said. Uh, <laughs> I'll take pink over those eyebrows any day. Uh, I am so happy to meet you and have you on the show. I think this is, uh, you've had a great, uh, I'm telling you, when you said you drove on a lot at Burbank, I had a meeting out there one time. Yeah. And uh, my buddy was Ralphie May. He was a comedian. I don't know if you know oh, the big know. Ralphie. Yeah. I know of Ralphie. Right. I don't know him, but he, sure. He, uh, he lived in Nashville, but he had a home in L.A. And he's mm-hmm. like, you can stay in my home use my car. So here <laughs> I am driving around in his convertible BMW going to a meeting on the Burbank lot. Yeah. And I pull up to the gate, give the guy my name. They open the gate. I drive in. And I go, this is the coolest life ever. I have no reason to be here other than this tiny little meeting that I have. But to do that every day... It must be so awesome. You know, it, it, it is. There, it, I don't take it for granted right. for one minute, you know, and I've had enough opportunity. I've worked every lot there, and I every day they let, every day that gate opens, yeah. you're like, <laughs> <laughs> one more, right? one more, yeah. in, you know, but it's uh, really funny, and it's really funny. We were talking about um, Judy Marmel, yeah. who I worked with on Bookie. She's a producer on it, and she's just amazing, and it turns out Judy and I worked together 
a million years ago during the, the post-Miller years on a very short-lived show I hosted on Fox called What's So Funny that was a bit of a disaster. Right. And I was a bit of a disaster because it was back in that era where, you know, now we worry about getting canceled because mm-hmm. of, oh, God, I, I hurt someone's feelings. But, you know, when you're in your early years, you feel like I, I'm going to get canceled because I saw it. <laughs> right? That yeah. was the cancel fear. And that was then. And and Judy worked on that show, and I, and we reconnected all these years later. And there's always that feeling of like, holy cow, we're still here. Yeah. And that is quite remarkable. And you know, you know, you drive through those gates, or you know, you have your life set up here, and you're doing what you can't believe they let you do. And if you lose that feeling, I think you're lost. For for sure, for sure. I love to hear all these things about uh, like Judy. How how successful and powerful she is now unreal sebastian who couldn't couldn't sell outside supporters the biggest one of the biggest comedy comics sorry in the world uh our friend burke kreischer who has made a living out of taking his shirt off and drinking and (laughs) i mean all these all these good people to yeah all all these good people to see that they got to the to where they were going and it's i'm you know it's used to be a hater you see somebody else that's successful and you get mad at it now i'm just happy for all these people well that fortunately you know i think that's essential too that you break through that that whatever envy chapter you have in your life and you realize um if the the more you can be happy for people now i just worry about people yeah now if i haven't seen anybody in a while (laughs) yeah i still don't care about most people yeah you get there yeah uh, Nick Bakai, see him this weekend. Now, we, are you doing like a panel with the rest of the the? You know, show? I got the rundown. I think I don't know if it's. I think there might be a panel, but there's going to be a lot of signing, and yeah. we're going to be there for, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, hardcore. I have a younger sister who's in her early twenties, and she. I don't know if she's going or not, but she was really excited about it because between Full House oh my and, and, uh, and you know. Backstreet Boys. Which is which is great. Big, I mean, uh, yeah, big. yeah. This um, is you good. Know, it's it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. So I think tickets are sold out on Saturday, but it starts today and then it goes on Sunday. And yeah. uh, if you stop by and you see Nick, say hi to him. And I, I really appreciate you coming in. This has been a pleasure to talk to you. What a blast! Great yeah. to be. This here. is cool. And uh, listen, I say this to all of our Hollywood people. If you have a need for a fat neighbor in any show, just let me know. <laughs> Done. I am available. Okay, good. Uh, we'll take a break. It's the Mike Calta Show. This is 102.5 The Bone. You're listening to Tampa Bay's most listened to morning show, The Mike Calter Show on 102.5 The Bone. And now, another bone traffic update from the Safe Touch Security Traffic Center. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.